Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, where conversations save lives. This is episode 137. My name is Jeff. Let me introduce you to our Hope crew tonight. With me, the guy that swears he can catch them all. My co-host, D.W., how you doing, man? I can catch them all, man. Catch them all. I can catch them all. In football, you're talking, right? Yes. If you can touch it, you can catch it. That's the rule. <laughs> I was a tight end once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended up being a defensive end, if that says anything about the rule. Yeah. Just, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Mike Jewell back in studio. How's it going, Mike? Hey, it's going good. Going good. I was a defensive end also. Oh, were you? So, yeah. So. Where'd you play? Uh, well, I was in high school. Okay. So just high school. So I didn't... Uh, in fact, I had an injury and couldn't play in college like I'd hoped to. There you go. Bummer. Yep. Yeah. I didn't play football. I played, uh, actually, European football. Oh, did as you? It were. Yeah. Football. Foot- well, that's, football. yeah. Spanish. Yeah, we call football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my game. My my doctor wouldn't let me play football, actually. Really? Yeah. I was born with one kidney. So oh. he was like, yeah, that's probably not a great sport to play. So, so you're, you're not one we're going to come to to donate a kidney. No. <laughs> I mean, there are ramifications for that. I, I would do that if... That was the uh, guess. ultimate gift. That would be the end of you. That would be the ultimate gift, I think. Yeah. So, Hey, we're glad that you've joined us for the show tonight. If you're new to the show, new to HopeNet Radio, it is a show where conversations save lives. And our goal on this show is to help you have great, meaningful conversations in your week. Because ultimately, and especially in summertime, we have all this time at our disposal. And we can spend a lot of time in meaningless conversations. And uh, Dave, I kind of joked about you know this, this whole catching them all thing and... This week, man, this has been a very interesting week in America. You know, we celebrate 4th of July, and then not even a week later, we've got this this horrible massacre in Dallas. We've got people that are, we have families that are broken up. We've got, you know, so many things going on, racial tensions. And then all of a sudden, this video game comes out on smartphones, and it's like everybody forgot what just happened over this last week. And now it's like, hey, look at this. We have a game. We can play all yep. together. We can go places. It's it's this is weird, Dave. Like yeah. we just flip a switch so fast in our culture, don't we? You know, we do. We go. We are schizophrenic at best. I mean, after nine eleven, remember nine eleven? Yep. And and everybody was you know very somber, and no one was spending money. They were all staying home. They were, and then like a month later, did nine eleven happen? Yeah. I, I mean, everything was back. We we're on a whole other thing. Quit praying. Quit going to church. I mean, everything switched. All of a sudden, we. We switch very quickly from one thing to another. Um, I, you know, I have a theory. We're all ADD, I think. The whole nation. Wait, what did you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. I mean, think about it. Everyone that's here basically came from somewhere else, right? Yeah. Except for the Native Americans. But everyone, everyone else that's here came from somewhere else. So they were somewhere else and said, I don't want to be here. I'll get up and go somewhere else. I, I mean, they're just... ADD people. Well, and, but and so, that's, a, that's a long way to go if you just want to get up and move somewhere. Yeah, well, ADD people, they don't think about all the ramifications. That's they, a lot they, of water. You know, i got to leave. Yeah. 
and and they get on and they go man i'm stuck on the boat now now, now i got to stay there till i get off and then when they get off they ask you know they start starting this company that company that company and we're a bunch of add people so that's my theory i'm sure there's no science behind it at all and anybody that listens to it is probably going to be as wacko as i am down the road so i wonder if the pioneers had add i think they all did you think so i think so they have that many distractions i think so Hey, I'm going after that turkey. Look at the corn. I wonder what that Native American's doing. Did you build your house yet? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> In that order yeah. or something like it. Yeah. No, you know, <laughs> David, it is interesting. I had a conversation just this last week. I did one thing that normal Americans do is once in a while, your vehicle has to go in and get maintained and and kept up. And so there's sometimes repairs that have to be done. And and I was just having a conversation with my shuttle driver on the way back home. I, I got a ride back and and we're talking. This guy is probably late 70s, maybe in his 80s. And he served in the army. He was part of, I thought it was pretty cool. He was part of the artillery. So he got to actually go in tanks and all these different things. We we're talking along the way. And he served between the Korean War and the Vietnam War. So he didn't really see any combat. But we kind of talked along the way. As me, I'm a 30-something. He's, you know, generations, maybe a couple of generations a little bit older than I am. And we were talking about some of these generational differences. And he talked about his military experience. Um, but then he went on to say how the generation before him was really the greatest generation. And that's one thing that Tom Brokaw wrote about in one of his books, just about that generation, the World War II, kind of coming out of the, the Great Depression area as the greatest generation. And I read an article, Dave, that you sent me this week about how this millennial generation could very well be or potentially has some some possibility of becoming the least greatest generation. And I was kind of taken back by that and thought, first of all, I was trying not to be offended. But then secondly, it was <laughs> like, okay, well, what if there's some truth to this? Could this millennial generation be the least greatest generation? Only if the generation I'm a part of isn't already the least generation. Because really, when you talk about the greatest generation, that was our parent, my parents, and Mike Jules with us. We're about the same age. Um, we're more known for the Woodstock era and all that kind of stuff. And then your generation's following the Woodstock people, and and this is what we're looking at. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I do know this. There, there's a there's a baseline, and the greatest generation actually lived their lives so that others could be successful. In general. Um, and now we seem to be living our lives so that we can be successful. And I think that's a general distinction between the generations. Yeah, I, th I think you're right on there because what uh, the greatest generation did is they gave away. Right. To the point of giving away their own life for right. our freedoms and for what we gave us. Whereas you look at the at the, the least generations, let's put it that way, our generation or maybe the current generation, they're looking at life and what can I take from it. Yeah. And uh, I think that's uh, at the bottom line, that's kind of where – the rubber meets the road, if you yeah. could say, is are you giving it away or are you taking it? Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, my generation enjoyed um, the fruits of the greatest generation. We enjoyed their hard work and we enjoyed their investments and we enjoyed the money they made. We enjoyed the money that you didn't make yet, actually. I mean, we enjoyed borrowing money and living beyond our means. And, and actually, I feel badly about that. I, I think that when I look at it, I, I think we have been so self-absorbed because um, for some reason, our parents wanted to be kind to us, and we wanted to be kind to us. And before you know it, we've got all this stuff. And my generation now controls a tremendous amount of wealth and power. 
And uh, what we're doing with it, unfortunately, is still using it for us, I think. And your generation looks at that, and they want it. Mm. And they're used to it. They, each, each generation gets progressively more self-absorbed in that sense. Hmm. And I think that's the great danger of your generation. It's we have led you in a way of enjoying all of the benefits of some very sacrificial people. But we did not have to sacrifice. I don't know about you, Mike, but I slipped through all the wars. I didn't go and fight in any right. of them. Neither did I. Right. I was yeah, right see, my time. generation slipped through them all. I, I mean, I was right at the end of Vietnam. And I didn't. I, I mean, I had a draft number, but I didn't go. Hmm. And, and then I got too old for the other wars uh, to go. I never fought. I, I never was even concerned about going into the armed forces. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that's like. My dad's generation, man, they, they did fight. And everybody they knew was in some kind of service. And the whole world re-geared so that they could make stuff to win the war. And gas was rationed and everybody felt part of it. See, we didn't do that. We get ticked if there's a line at the gas station. Yeah. You know, so, I, I, you know, I don't know. This is interesting for me to talk about because I, I really think there's some validity in believing that your generation might end up being the least generation. But I'm not sure that my generation has done much more and probably has led you down that path. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that because it's it's kind of a notion that's in our culture that it would have been my grandparents. My grandpa served in World War II, and so he would have been known as that right before the baby boomer generation as the greatest generation. What makes a generation great? And when we look at today's generation and, and maybe even get some perspective from where you guys came from, I, I would think that if I was part of the greatest generation, there'd be some characteristics that would help point to that. What are those characteristics? I want to talk about that. Join us tonight on the tweet back. Hang out with us on Twitter and share your thoughts. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Connect with one of our live coaches tonight at hopenet360.com. If you're struggling, if you're going through something tonight and you need to just chat with somebody right now, a healthy conversation is to be had at hopenet360.com. Jeff, DW, and our guest Mike Jewell with you this week on the show. And we're glad that you've joined us talking about the greatest generation. And Dave, one thing we love to talk about in, in this show specifically is, is gaining wisdom and input from people that are older than us, that are wiser than us, that have experience in some things that we don't have. And there is kind of this notion that the millennial generation itself could be known as one of the least greatest, if not the least greatest generation that ever existed in American history. And I find this interesting. Again, I was trying, I was saying that I, I try to not be offended by this article because it's one of those things to me. I think as a millennial, there are some things that I differ from my generation, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at, le- at least that I don't want to become, I guess there's a notion in me that wants to become part of this Daniel generation, so to speak, you know, the, right. the famous uh, prophet from the old Testament yep. who decided not to bow his knee, uh, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Same thing. I mean, this Daniel generation, guys and, and ladies that choose not to bow down to the trends and the gods, small g, of this world, this culture that we build, 
Um, and yet I know there are well many people that just like me struggle with that temptation of, you know, spending too much time doing this and maybe playing some of these games that are, you know, your smartphone or whatever, filling our time with meaningless, trivial things that, again, just waste time and, and that. So from your perspective, Dave, when you're looking at this millennial generation and you're thinking about what would it take to become a great generation, what are some of those characteristics that you would see that would make any generation great? You know, I, I think first of all, they have to understand that there is a plan in life and that they don't control that. They control whether they want to be a part of it. And there is a plan, though. God's got a plan for how we should live and what we should do. And one of the most interesting things, I think, is that, that life itself uh, is limited. Um, I honestly, I, I started running the ministry here at Silverberg Ranch when I was 25 years old. And so I've been here a long time now. And uh, 35 years, uh, I've been now uh, working here and doing things. And, you know, honestly, I still have this mind frame that I'm young and I walked into this. And yet it's been 35 years I've been leading. And it's hard for me to realize that I'm the age I'm at now. The experiences that I've had now are, are interesting. Um, I have some health issues and I have some other things. And, and I realize that every day that God gives me is something that's precious. And I don't want to waste it. And that's important to see. I mean, every day God gives me could be my last day. I don't have any guarantees. I think one of the weirdnesses I've seen of your generation, Jeff, is that we do not believe that ideas have consequences and that, that things could go the other way. We just don't believe it. We don't believe that our nation could uh, go into a financial tumble. I don't think your generation believes that. See, the greatest generation experienced that. They, they didn't just believe it. They experienced that the nation fell apart uh, financially. The greatest generation experienced being attacked by the Japanese on, on our soil. See, the greatest generation w was somebody who, who experienced certain things, so it shaped them. I, I really don't think, as I talk to millennial young people, I, I think they think everything's like a video game where there's a reset button. Hmm. And, and as soon as it gets bad enough, you just hit reset, and you go back to everything's cool um, and start over. But that's not how it is. That's just not how it is. And so I think one of the characteristics I would encourage people to have is that they need to have some dialogue with people who are not necessarily connected to their generation but are way beyond them. Yep. And, and dialogue. What happens is if I'm talking to somebody your age, and not you, Jeff, because you're, you're a dear friend and, and we get to dialogue a lot, but it seems like immediately they stiffen up and they're ready, no matter what I say, to give some justification for what they're doing and that I don't know what I'm talking about. Now, I understand that because I was your age once and I did the same thing. I mean, so I understand that. Yeah. The trouble is you need to be able to glean from people who have experience what they've experienced if you want to not make their mistakes. And and my generation has made some mistakes, and I think you need to hear what they are. And I, we said that in the first segment. What I think is a major one is that we become totally self-absorbed and pass that on to you. Hmm. And and it's at a, it's at a cancerous level at this point that we can't seem to stop. Um, so I think that the end result is going to be a very big disaster because you can't keep going down that path. It's kind of like that, the nation. But let's just logically ask this. Mike, you're, you're a guy that's been in business. Can we keep spending at the rate we're spending as a nation? Oh, of course not. There's, there's a time you got to pay the piper. Nobody yeah. believes that. Right. I know. And they just keep on going Okay. On. That's what I'm talking about. Nobody believes that. So we keep living in debt and we keep borrowing. Mm -hmm. it's got to get paid and and people are going we'll just hit a reset button yeah 
Everything <laughs> will be fine. Yeah. No, it's got to be paid at some point. And, and other things like that. I mean, that's what I think has to happen. I think that a generation, and, and we, my generation probably needs to lead that way and say, you know, we really do need to do things differently than we did before or we're going to pay. Our grandkids are going to pay. Our children are going to pay. And your generation needs to look at it and go, you know what? We need to do things differently than the generation before did them. We, we can't just go and do what they did or we're going to be in trouble. You know, for me to affirm something in you probably wouldn't make a whole lot of difference to you. But the generation before me, if they were to tell me something that they see that's positive or that they would affirm, whether it's in me or it's in my generation, that would bring some significance to what I would do then. And you were talking about how, you know, from your perspective, there are things now that kind of threaten your life. I mean, in, in perspective, you have like this this reality of the situation where the time is becoming shorter for you. Right. For me, I don't know. I would anticipate that I haven't quite hit midlife yet. But I don't know that for sure. I mean, I could be in the middle. I could even be on the other side of it. There's no guarantees in right. today's day and age. Yet, I would expect at 31 years old, I'm not quite to my midlife expectancy. Right. And so my eyes are different focused than yours are. I mean, you're looking from a way where you know, you're trying to make sense of today and you're trying to make sense of what I'm doing today. Is it going to make a difference you know, is what I do, is it going to be something that's valuable, that's going to remain, or, you know, am I just wasting time? That's more important to you, not wasting time, than for me, someone like me, who could very well be wrapped up in some kind of a video game, because I just, I don't necessarily have that same urgency. You know, that's right. that might be more of it, that maybe my generation hasn't quite woken up to the urgency of the time that we're in. Right. And, and I agree with you. I mean, right now in my life, the idea of just having something to fill my time is extremely unappealing. I don't want something to be a time filler. Yeah. I, I want to do something. And you know, I just started another radio program to help people sleep. I mean, it, it's, oh, they're probably all sleeping now, so that, that's fine. <laughs> no. Um, and, I'm, and, I'm and, in their And we do HopeNet, and, I, and I, I'm busy at Silverberg Ranch and the Bible Institute. I am very busy in a good way. I do not want to just go find something that I can preoccupy my mind with and do nothing. I, I don't want to do that right now. I want to invest my time. Hmm. And and some might say, well, that's crazy. And, and that I don't know. Mike, as you get older, do you, do you want to just sit and do nothing and, and stare out a window and not even think or play a game that wastes your time? My preferences for my time have changed. Where younger, I was actually involved in business or, or building things. And now as you get older, you know, I have kids and grandkids and my perspective of time has changed. I want to be sure the time I spend is spent valuably. Yeah. And when I look at my grandkids, I want to spend that time with them. I want to spend my time with my kids. So time has become more of people than it has about More about things. investment. Yeah. Where are, you going to, where are you going to place the time? And you can't invest you know? nothing if you're doing that with time. Yeah, you exactly. can't invest nothing. You've you got to invest something. So. Yep. Absolutely true. Love to hear your thoughts tonight on the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also shoot us an email if you want to be a little bit more anonymous on the show tonight. Email hope at hopenet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our live coaches are available right now at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW, and our guest, Mike Jewell, having 
what I think is a very interesting conversation. You can be a part of it too. Hang out with us on Twitter and let your voice be heard. Use the hashtag HNRTB. It's the HopeNet Radio Tweetback, and that's going on tonight on Twitter. So, uh, guys, very interesting conversation. This idea of millennials potentially being the least greatest generation. And I know that sounds pessimistic, but I'm a millennial, and I'm choosing tonight not to be offended by this article or by this notion, um, and realizing that the men and women who served in World War II that were among this greatest generation quite possibly are. And I want to share some thoughts from a millennial perspective, because I think there's some validity to that, um, as to what I think made their generation great, or what I would maybe suppose makes our generation more threatened than anything else. And the first thing that I was thinking about, as I think about what will be my grandparents' generation, was they had a lot less than I did today. I mean, realistically, whether it's technologically, uh, it could be medically, the medical advances, the science uh, advances that are, are going on today were much less back then. Um, I have probably more choices in my average supermarket than they had back then. Uh, we have some really interesting entertainment, <laughs> entertainment itself. I mean, there are a lot of things, just so many different things that my generation would take for granted that their generation just didn't have. And so one of the threats that I feel like is is a part of it, and, and it may have threatened their generation as well, is I see a lot of people that are my age in this millennial generation that are addicted, addicted to something, whether it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's smartphones, technology, internet, that sort of thing. We're addicted to something. We have to have something, and we feel like we can't live without it, really. That's what an addiction comes down to. Um, secondly, before I get your thoughts on this, is that those addictions are isolating us. They're putting gaps in real relationships. Mike, I know one of your focuses is is getting people into right relationships. I mean, we can know people, we can be acquaintances with people, but how we treat people really matters to you. And so some of your thoughts on that from your perspective on my generation, would that be accurate to say? Yeah, it'd be very accurate. I think when we look at people and how they uh, interact with one another, you know, all of our interactions or all of our relationships start with a desire, okay? That desire, if it's not correctly grounded, moves into a demand. So we place a demand on other people, expecting us to, to give us what we want, desire. Well, if, if they don't respond to that demand, then we judge people and obviously place them in a box and mm-hmm. pull them away. Then finally, the last step is that if we don't get what we desire, then we punish the people, Hmm. Simple things like, well, I'm not going to talk to you anymore or whatever it may be. So this relationship thing goes up the line. Now, when we look, take that back to the greatest generation, their desire was positive things. They wanted to give to their families, to their country, what they needed for, uh, for uh, for us to survive to the point of giving their very lives away. That was their desire. So desire is based out of giving, giving away what you have. And then uh, causing other people then to respond to that. And, and when that happens, then relationships go deep. They go deeper. And, and that's why we look back at the greatest generation and we say, look what those guys did for us. And we're endear- endearment happens. We, 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 we feel affection for them in their gift and what they've done for us. Whereas if your desire is to take from other people and receive, I, I expect this, I want to take from this. So you look at any relationship, a marriage, for example, go into a marriage and you want to take from your spouse what you need. Well, 
that just damages the relationship. It spreads you apart because then you'll demand from your spouse, you'll judge your spouse, and then you'll punish your spouse. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it, that's how that's how relationships turn and go negative. Hmm. So with, when you look at the greatest generation, look what they did. They just gave away. Yeah. Gave it, away. You know, it's interesting. Um, I would encourage people to check our website. I'm sure we'll have a link there to relational integrity that Mike that you work on and you really have a course for people that can take and really work yeah. through their relationships. Yeah. And so I, I encourage people to check that out. But w- when he was talking about relationships, you know, we've talked about it often. We were made to be relational. We we were made to oh. love God and we were made to love each other. That's what we were made to do. If the, and and by the way that there's that's defined in the Bible what that means. It's it's not open for an open definition. It's it's actually defined. And, and loving God means really obeying him and getting to the point where you want to obey him. And you got to know him in order to do that. But the other one is loving each other. And that's really looking at each other and doing what's best for each other. Right. You're giving away. Yeah. No, notice yep. I'm not saying I need to do what's best for me. I need to do what's best for each other. That's I need right. to do what's best for you. And, and I think that the greatest generation still had that Judeo-Christian idea that that's what it was about. And as we slip further and further away from that, and I know the statistics show this, you will see that there's less people that are really connected to local churches and, and walking with God and that kind of stuff because it becomes less and less important. And that was something that the great generation, greatest generation had. They had their, a foundation at least. An acceptable foundation. Not that everyone did it, but they, they certainly had it there. Uh, but the relationship thing is interesting because if we were made to be in relationships, what we were made to do is we, we were made to bond. We were made to connect. That's what relationships are, a connection. Mm. And what sin does is separates us from the connection. It separates us. So so that's what sin does. And we, we need to hate sin because it separates the connection. Right. When you're separated from a connection, you still have this desire to connect. But you want to connect with something you can control then because yeah. you can't control all the relationships. So you end up, you can control heroin a little bit. You can control. What you don't realize is you're connecting with things that eventually connect, uh, control you. And, right. and, and instead, and, and they begin to control you because, but it's not necessarily, and, and, and the debate's out how, how much physical, I'm not going to get into that. But here's the real draw. You actually bonded and connected with something. And so you think about it all the time. And, and that's beginning to where your real drive is. I, I don't know if you guys have ever had stuff that just kind of possesses you. Your mind goes there and you just think about it all the time, over and over again. That's what addicts do. They, they've connected and they think about it all the time. And so now they're looking for their dealer. They're looking for their next hit. They're looking for whatever it might be. And, and really, the answer to some of this stuff is first to understand that we, we are made to connect and we are made to bond. And, and what's happening, I think, you know, Jeff, I, I think your generation is bonding with more fake friends than real friends I, and with stuff like cell phones and smartphones and iPads and computers. And they're actually in these groups, but they're not really with people. And so they're, it, it's like the appearance of being bonded with people, but they don't have any bonding with people. Yeah. So since it's not real, they have to bond with something else. So some bond to pornography and some bond to, I mean, it, because they're bonding and because they really, God made us to bond. So they're doing it. And now it's really hard to get away from because that's fulfilling a certain need for them. And they have to understand that or they're going to be in bondage to what they bonded to, if that makes sense. Yeah, another another thing that I think we want to just unpack in some of the second half of the discussion tonight is these other things that I think are threats to us. So the first two, addicted, 
we're just we're overly addicted to specific things. It could be singular things, like you talked about, thing they own you, um, and then they isolate us. And like you said, sin isolates us. But we we tend to want to have this. I don't know. It seems like we're just more of an maybe internally focused generation in some degree. There are some external things, but we we isolate ourselves from community. Um, we're more easily tempted because of some of the things that we have in front of us. And we're, I think we're becoming the most tolerant generation, which you would think that would be a positive. There's a, a, there's a great deal of momentum and discussion around this idea of being tolerant or that we need to be more tolerant, open to people. And, and then with that, you kind of get this openness to different ideas and different beliefs. And so I, I think actually one of the threats to being such a great generation is that we are overly tolerant of some things. And I want to talk about that in the second half of the show, because I think that's going to open up the door for some conversation of, well, okay, if we're not supposed to be tolerant, then what are we supposed to be? You know, how does that look? So I'd love to hear from you guys as you're listening to the show tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Hang out with us on Twitter. Shoot us a message. Let us know what your thoughts are and what some marks would be or maybe some great threats that you see to this current generation. And you could be someone who is not in the millennial generation. You could be above that. Maybe you are an elder and you're looking at this generation and you think, yeah, Totally right on. Here's what I see this generation becoming. I think there's some great ideas that are out there. We'd love to hear yours as well. And this conversation will continue in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation this week, you can subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Just visit HopeNet360.com slash podcast. And when you're there, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And doing that will help other people find these great conversations. We hope that the conversations that we have with you and on this show, inspire your conversations this week to actually talk about things that are meaningful and that matter. And we really believe that when you open up the dialogue and you talk about some of this stuff with your friends and you open up and you just ask open, raw, honest questions, that that can lead to those meaningful conversations. We have too many conversations today that are just meaningless. And it's time that we actually inspire it. And not just peer-to-peer, maybe friend-to-friend, people your own age, but that you actually talk to people like your parents or maybe your grandparents, your aunts, your uncle, and say, hey, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? I'm struggling with this. What do you think I should do? And open up that dialogue and talk about it. So, Jeff, DW, we've got Mike Jewell with you tonight on the show. And we've been talking about what makes a generation great. And this notion, this possibility... That if we're not careful, at least in my generation, the millennial generation, and this new up-and-coming generation, which is kind of nameless right now, uh, what kind of generation you will become known for and the possibility that millennials could become the least greatest generation. And one of the things that I've shared about some marks, some, some characteristics that could threaten this generation to becoming the least greatest generation or threats to being the greatest generation has to do with this idea of addiction and isolation. And one of the things last week I was talking about kind of at the beginning of the show is 
is that we're seeing some things in the news. You know, you see the the whole stuff that happened in Dallas, and you saw the the probably saw the man that died up in Minneapolis, and then there was a guy that was also down in in Louisiana that lost his life, and so there's all these big questions. Then all of a sudden, this video game pops up, and everybody forgets about life, and they just go out and they're they're walking around with friends and chasing these monsters around from their their smartphone cameras, and and it's like. It almost looks like a society of zombies, oh, but it's not just millennials. Let me let me establish that it's not just millennials. No, no. It, it's your grandma. But it, yeah, it's it's these yeah. it's these games, these pocket games, and you're like, what is going on? What is up with our generation? I mean, this in and of itself, it just shows me it's like we're really addicted to these smart devices. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I've seen this. I mean, I, I was wondering what was going on, and I was asking some young people what's going on. They said it's this game you download, and I said, oh, w- weird. And I mean. I'm old enough where it's like, okay, enjoy yourself. I mean, go run around the woods, do what you want. I, I'm, I don't care. But then I heard it w- was a, a game about Pokemon, and I thought, wait a minute, let me talk to you about that. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever um, known or talked to somebody who was a, a Satan worshiper or a, a demonic um, worshiping person, but I have. And it's, there's a very interesting story that I like to share about what happened with a, a man. His, his nickname was Shoefoot. He was a shaman or a witch doctor in the jungle of South America where he, he rose to the level of what they called child eater. And he had an encounter with the Pokemon characters, and he didn't speak English, and he doesn't speak English. And I think we need to share that with our, our listeners if we can. Yeah, here's a talk that you gave recently that shares that story. Many years ago, I'm going to read this to you. This is from uh, Mike Dawson who uh, is a missionary in the jungles of South America. And uh, there's a guy down there who just died. His name is uh, Shoefoot, that's what we call him. And he worshiped Satan at one point. I'm gonna read, these are words from Mike, not uh, from me. As missionaries working with the Yanomamo, I'm constantly reminded that when it comes to spiritual matters, I'm not the expert. Baptiste, Shoefoot, I don't know how to pronounce that was an ex-witch doctor. He accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ many years ago when my parents first started working with the tribe back in the early 50s. Although still a young man, when they arrived at the village, he was a witch doctor of considerable fame. He had already attained the highest level of... I can't pronounce that word. It's some kind of evil. Or the the English translation is child eater. So he achieved the status of child eater because he could attack other other villages in the spirit world, stealing the souls of the child there and causing the child to die. These souls were given to the many cannibal spirits who were his accomplices in murder. The soul would then be eaten by these demon cannibal spirits. Although having attained the highest he could go by his own admission, he was being overwhelmed by the bondage he was under even before he heard about the saving power of the gospel. So once he clearly understood that Christ was the only way to be freed from the bondage, he accepted Christ's claim on his life, and his life has never been the same. One of the times I was reminded of how much more the expert he is in spiritual matters happened one day a couple years ago. We had been in the jungle many long weeks with no mail from home, and a plane landed bringing us a package. Uh, I was excited as I took it home. Look on a package from Wakanda Free Church. I gave her the package. She opened it up. She was as excited as I was. Enclosed was a book. Now that in itself was a big enough disappointment because I wanted some real mail, like maybe a box of chocolates or something. 
But when I saw the cover, I was even more disappointed. It was a book on Pokemon cartoon characters. I'm an old school cartoon, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner, and their friends, and really don't get into any of the new ones, especially the ones that look as ugly as these did. Then we noticed there was also a letter enclosed with the book, and we read it together. Dear Mike, it said, it seems our church is having a discussion about Pokemon. With the church divided about this toy, so they were sending this book of all Pokemon characters to me, asked me to have Shoefoot look at it and see what he thought about the characters. Well, that was more interesting than just having a book of ugly cartoons uh, for the boys. But to be honest, this was pretty low priority for me. As a matter of fact, Kayla had been asking me for weeks to watch a videotape of these same cartoons that our son Stephen really liked. She claimed his attitude really changed after watching these cartoons. I told her I would really plan on watching it with him, but we we're extremely busy in the jungle and I had no, it hadn't had a chance yet. But to be honest, I did not place much importance on the book. But one day when I was talking with Shoefoot, Kayla, Kayla, remembered, Kayla remembered the book and ran upstairs and got it. She handed the book to me, opening the book at random, showing him pictures, I asked, what do you think of this? He looked at it and said, oh, I know this one. He suddenly had my attention. He went on, on this, oh, this is a nasty little jecula, demon. It is always underfoot, bites, scratches, screeches, and whatnot. I looked at the page, and on the list of attributes, it said bites, scratches, and screeches, and claws. And I forgot what else, but it was if Shoefoot was reading the page, and he doesn't read or speak one word of English. I figured that first one could have been a lucky guess, so I flipped the page to another picture and asked him about that one, and again he told me exactly what its attributes were. He did this over and over. So he made a believer out of me. At that time, Kayla ran upstairs, called Stephen. He came down reluctantly, not wanting to hear anything, and determined not to allow anyone to do anything to his cartoon tape. He frowned slowly, disappeared, as he listened to Shufoot describe the attributes of each cartoon that he knew by... The time he was finished, Stephen went upstairs, brought his tape down, and he and Kayla destroyed it. So he made a believer out of Stephen as well. There were some he did not recognize, and he said, there are so many demons, it's impossible for any one person to know them all. Then he added, tell the people from your churches, you, tell the people from your churches that if there are things that make them feel uncomfortable, it's probably not good. It's probably... Uh, if the things that make them uncomfortable is probably not good. God's Spirit will speak to them about what's right and wrong. Your people need to learn to listen. Talking to uh, Shoefoot even when he was here. Those are the demons. Those little Pokemans are the demons that they give to children. The demons that work with children. Don't get comfortable with these things. All right, when we come back, we will talk about this. I want to get your commentary, Mike and Dave, just on the story of Bautista or this shaman that we talked about on HopeNet Radio. Join the conversation on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Mike Jewell with you tonight here on the show. And as you're listening, if you need to talk to somebody right now, 
about life, about questions that you have. Maybe you've got some questions now about Pokemon. We'd love to have you chat with, you can chat with one of our live coaches at hopenet360.com. So guys, interesting, interesting discussion. Dave, interesting talk that you gave. Uh, what an, what an interesting testimony. I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody, when I first heard you say, you know, you kind of equate this whole Pokemon thing, the game, to being demonic, my eyes kind of rolled a little bit. I'll be honest, as a millennial, that's probably a natural response to something that, well, this guy just, he probably hasn't even played it. I mean, I, I'm guessing you probably haven't played the game. I have not. I have not either. Yep. And so I'm speaking to something that I'm not that educated on. Right. And but I'm seeing some things in this generation that are quite concerning. You know, one of the things that I talked about that's a threat to this generation is that we become addicted to some things. And it, it's not just drugs or alcohol, which are the easy ones to to, to point out right away. Um, but we get addicted to technology. We get addicted to the Internet. We get addicted to Facebook. We get addicted to people's opinion of us. Um, we get addicted to food. We get addicted to all these different things. So to me, it's this first thing, if you're going to make an argument of maybe why you want to rethink being a part of the Pokemon craze, I'm not saying you should absolutely not do it, but I'm thinking there's got to be some things that are concerning to us. I mean, when you look at this generation, you see people walking in the middle of the street looking at their phones. You're like, guys, you're nuts. Yeah. You know, first, I, I would like to say that, that there's some justification. When you hear me say that I think Pokemon is evil and demonic, your eye roll is somewhat justified because I think through the years, um, people who are conservatives or Christians or part of churches have, have said that about a lot of things that weren't that way. I mean, yeah. they might tell you that, you know, white bread is demonic or something. And I, I just don't know that there's a backing up for some of the stuff that they've said. So I understand that, that, that sometimes we use those terms to try and control somebody mm. and, and get them to think like us. I'm honestly not doing that. I, I am very concerned for the people that we work with. And that's why I brought it up. Um, I'm concerned because I know um, uh, this shaman. I know him. I've heard him speak. I have met with him. He knows Satan well. This is firsthand information, not secondhand information. And you can evaluate whatever you want on it. But I'm telling you that in my life, I am very concerned with the power and the deceptive power of Satan and how he makes things acceptable to people. And in this particular case, Pokemon and the characters of Pokemon, I believe, are demonic. If I believed that, Jeff, and you were a friend of mine and I did not talk to you about it, I would not be much of a friend in the first place, especially with what I understand about Shoefoot and where it came from in the story and whatever else that might be. And so I would ask my millennial friends to give me a break and understand where my heart is. If they want to still play this game, I have warned them. I, I just don't think it's a good idea. Um, you asked me a question earlier that if it were Charlie Brown on the game, if it would matter, and I, and I said, no, it wouldn't. I, I really don't care about Charlie Brown, and that <laughs> might be amusing. It's, I still think it might be a time waster. I still would not do it personally myself. I still think there are some negatives to constantly staring at your phone, but I would be a little less adamant, and I don't think I have a, a story from Shoefoot on Charlie Brown. So I, I, I don't – I think it does matter. I'm really talking about Pokemon here and what I know about them and not about everything else in the world that you want to lump into this. Yeah. Uh, I'm really not talking about white bread either. So, I, I mean, whatever you want to lump good. in there, I'm just not lumping <laughs> it. I'm saying, here, here's what I know. Yeah. And I'm asking people to evaluate what I know, not necessarily what they feel, and not necessarily, I'm not attacking them. I'm saying, here's information. You evaluate it. Here's what I know firsthand. Yeah. 
and I don't think we're saying that by playing it that you're openly worshiping Satan. Like that's not. Oh no, no, know. but Satan's sneaky. That's the that's the interesting part. I mean, if, you know, if Satan's going to get you, you think he's going to walk up to you and say, "Open a door. I want to get in and destroy your life." And you go, "Sure, come on in." Probably not. No. So he's got to do it through an acceptable means. So there's got to be a way to get in. There's a book out there called The Holy War by John Bunyan. He wrote one called uh, Pilgrim's Progress. And if you get it in modern English, he basically says there, there are, um, it, it's a great dialogue where he's trying to show how Diabolus, the devil, is trying to control the town of Mansoul. And there's only five gates and, the, and Diabolus cannot get in. Somebody has to open the gate for him. There's the eye gate, the ear gate, the feel gate. I mean, I forget what they all are, but, but basically they have to open it. And, and what it's genius yeah. on how um, yeah. Satan works those gates. It's just genius. And then when he gets in, the other thing he has to do is blend in, be acceptable, be like everybody else until he strikes. Otherwise, people would throw him out because they would see this is a, this is a challenge to us. I would challenge anyone listening that loves God. Look at the Bible and look how Satan works, and you would understand why I'm concerned. And I think there's plenty in this world for us to do that could not be demonically controlled, that you can pick something else to enjoy yourself with. Um, and Pokemon, to me, is, should be off the list. Mike, what are your thoughts? As you've been, I don't, I don't know if you've watched some of the news on this, some of the headlines around the, this new game, this new craze, but when you look at my generation, maybe as a whole, I mean, do you see this as being a benefit to my generation? I first heard about the game, you know, just this week. And as, I, as I've, a little bit I've heard and what you guys have discussed about it, uh, the thing that bothers me the most is the addictive nature of it. And uh, when I see an addictive game or any type of addiction, let's put it that way, what that the purpose is is to pull you away from other people. You become self-absorbed, you become focused on yourself or in the Pokemon craze, you know, capturing these little guys that are running around and, <laughs> and all this, you know, you, you're, you're gaining points, you're, you're, uh, you're achieving something for yourself all the time. And that's just directly opposite of what we see in the scriptures. You know, we're supposed to be, I'd much rather spend that time yeah. uh, reaching out to my grandkids, to my kids, to my wife, to the people that uh, really mean something in my life. And uh, and connect with people that way. Yes, you can go around and and play Pokemon in groups, but you're not really connecting with the people. Yeah, you're you're connecting with the game, and uh, and is that and it's, it's okay to play a game, and uh, and have fun playing a game. But when the game gets to the point of being addictive, well, then but, you know, it takes are, away. Shouldn't it be interactive? I mean, if you and I were playing a game, oh sure, we'd be playing a game together and we'd be interacting and laughing. I love having people over to my house to play a game. I and mean, we, yep. we play all these games, but we're laughing, we're having coffee or tea or something, you know, Coco right. doing it, and, and we're actually getting to know each other and enjoying the whole process of playing the game. I, I think that even, you know, Pokemon, I, you know, I've said what I've said, and, and I believe that that's dangerous, but even just people who go and they're constantly on their phones and they're not connected to the other people, regardless yeah. of, of why they're not connected to the other people. Yeah. And that's really what the generation is doing, I think. I've I've loved the memes, too, that come from this. Yeah. Memes are, are one of those pictures that have some words on them. And uh, here's one with Batman and Robin, and it says, this is one that I shared on my personal Facebook page that's got a ton of shares and likes, but it says, Look, a jiggly put, and then Batman slapping him and says, "You're 36." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's like to some degree, there's like this expectation in society that when you're a grown adult, and by 36, probably even at my age, I'm looking at myself and saying, 
look, I know there's still some childish kinds of things you do, Jeff, and sometimes they come out on the show, but let's try to be an adult once in a while. Let's do some adulting here and, and actually be responsible and, and take care of your kids. I, that's one thing that I love about being a parent is you're constantly reminded, maybe I don't love it all the time, but you're constantly reminded that you've got some responsibilities, Jeff. Like you can't sit in front of a screen your entire day and try to catch little monsters running around the city when you've got to take care of dinner and you got to take care of other responsibilities, like you can't spend your life playing games all the time. Like that's not going to work. And, and I think, and maybe it is somewhat true. There is this skepticism among your generation and maybe the ones that are still part of that greatest generation. There's skepticism about these generations that are coming up that are just, you know, you're entitled, but you don't work for it. You know, you're, you're thinking that you deserve these things and they're just going to come to you served on a silver platter because, Hey, you're the millennials. Like that to me, like I wish that wasn't the truth, but there's still some skepticism out there that I think is somewhat warranted when you see people standing in front of their phones thinking this is the next generation of our young people. Really? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes tonight, but that's kind of the conversation. What is our generation going to become? We need to think about that. We need to consider what we're going to do this generation. Are we going to do great things? Are we going to break through in the medical field? Are we going to see some of these these things like cancer and potentially HIV, these diseases that seem to be incurable? Are we going to have breakthroughs like that? Or are we going to sit in front of a screen all day and try to catch monsters? What generation are we going to become? Let us know on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. We're wrapping things up tonight with you here on HopeNet Radio, but the conversation will continue 24-7 on the tweet back. Just use the hashtag HNRTB anytime on Twitter, and we'll get your message. We might retweet them. We might put them into some of our show notes this week. If you share some good insight with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can also email us at any time at hope at hopenet360.com. That email, hope at hopenet360.com. Jeff, DW, and Mike Jewell here tonight on the show. Guys, this conversation has been not really all over the place, but one of those that I think we're going to look back on and, and think about for a while. You know, chew on it. I think every generation before us has asked that question. Every person's probably asked that question. What, what kind of person am I going to become? What's my legacy going to be? And then if you think about it, what's my generation going to be known for? You know, we, we have this notion that there was and maybe may never be another great generation. We don't know that, but there's a generation that's been before us that's been known as the greatest generation. That's kind of a cool title. Um, I would probably like to be known as being part of this greatest generation, but yet I don't think you can just march out there and say, Hey, I'm going to be part of the greatest generation. No, no, no. Look at me and start to act that way. Like, I don't think that's how you become the greatest generation. So how do, how would this generation or even your generation, if you want it to be known as that, where would that start? How would that look? You know, I, I think you go back in history and look, and it starts with knowing there's a God and that he's got a plan for how things should be. Can you imagine living in a world where, where people actually worked the plan and they understood that other people in their lives were very important, important enough to invest in and spend time with and 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 they lived in a way where the people could trust them. You see, these are important qualities that God gives us as we walk with him. Mm. And I think the problem in our generation 
the greatest generation, they were not all Christian people, I understand that, but they were very influenced by the Judeo-Christian ethic, and they were very influenced by those people who were believers and, and were Christians. And, and a lot of our very positive history, whether we want to admit it or not, comes from the Judeo-Christian ethic, comes from the scriptures that taught us how to work and how to care and how to give. And so I think for any generation to get back, I, I think of one word, and that's repentance, that we go back and we say, we're not the people we should be, but we want to be the people we should be. And we start living in a way where God has his rightful place on the throne, where we go to the Bible and we start to understand how to live. And what he says is absolute right and wrong. And we adjust our lives to it. And we let God either make us the greatest generation uh, or, or whatever generation he wants to make us. Because then we're in his plan and really he does what he wants. So the only hope that I have or anybody has really is to know God and to listen to him. And then to love each other and help each other listen to them. And I think that would make any person great if they would do that. And the funny thing is you can do that. It's not something that you can't do. You can do that. Not everybody's going to, but you can if you decide to. So would you say that if our focus is going to be on the collectivism, that's probably not going to work out well for us? If we want to be part of the greatest generation, we have to look at ourselves first? Absolutely. We have to look at ourselves and we have to look at our response to the whole. And my response to the whole is to try and do everything I can to drive them to God. And, and in that, I can help them be the greatest generation. And that's why we do all the radio and all the teaching, all the stuff we do. Is why we're just trying to drive people back to God because that's where the answers really lie. And Satan's doing the opposite. He's just trying to keep us from God. So that could be distractions from all kinds of things. I mean, it doesn't have to be this new game that's out. It could be anything. Yeah. And what we have to do is be able to say, okay, I'm not going to live a life full of distraction and go in a bunch of directions. I'm going to live a very purposeful life. And um, I'm afraid that it starts individually and not collectively, and we shouldn't wait for somebody else. I need to do that. And I need to do it with you guys, and I need to do it with those I meet. And that's my responsibility. World peace and all that kind of stuff, I have to leave to God. Mm-hmm. When I look at this generation, if I had one wish, I'd wish that they would understand and know that their value comes from God. It's a God-ordained gift to them. It's called grace, but it's just given to them. And that value comes from them, and then that they have the power to give that value away to others. And when I look at what's happened, I, I'll give you an example of uh, you, you talk to a veteran who's been in battle. Uh, the biggest thing they were concerned about was, was their buddy protecting their buddy, getting their, you know, covering their back, being sure their buddy uh, is uh, taken care of to the point of losing their own life if needed or to get wounded or whatever it may be. And that's kind of the, the, the selfless uh, thinking that needs to go on to become a great generation. But it starts with each person individually. World War II, those guys gave of their lives. They gave of themselves for their families, for their country. Uh, they gave it away, uh, whatever they needed. And I, I look at those things and, I'm, and I, I come back to that same point as they had value placed in, uh, in something. Somebody defined who that was in their lives. And, uh, and the person that can do that is your creator. And it comes back to Christ at the end. And he says who you are. Because he took away, a, you know, he paid the penalty for your sin. So then what's left? Well, he rose from the dead to give you value, to say you are righteous, you are forgiven, you are loved. You are taken care of, and you can take those things right back and then give them to your wife, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your church, to your community, to the people you work with, and you just keep giving those same things away. And uh, 
that creates a great generation. You know, I'm going to kind of drop this where it lies and let you go with it if, if you have thoughts on it. I'd love to hear from you guys with us on the tweet back. I have this belief maybe inside that there just isn't a greatest generation because the title itself is it's almost misleading. It's saying that in man's opinion, there was a great generation, but yet we don't have the final word on this. You're right. You know, and, and one of those things that we're going to all do one day is we're all going to stand before God and he's going to be the ultimate judge on whether or not you are part of the greatest generation. He's going to look at you and say, okay, what did you do with what I gave to you? What did you do, you know, to live for me? And we're going to have to give an account for our lives. So if I'm going to be content with just sitting in front of my screen and finding monsters and, and fighting meaningless battles on social media and, and, you know, doing things live promiscuously as though I'm invincible and that I have no consequences for my decisions. Eventually one day I'm going to have to give an account for that. Do I really want to stand before God and, and say to him and try to excuse my behavior as why I just was not, I was not comfortable sharing, you know, about my faith or, or things that God had done in my life because that wasn't going to be as popular as this game that we were all playing together. I don't know that I'd be comfortable doing that. And I have to be willing to ask myself those questions one day. And maybe that day is today. Am I willing to just be known as this guy who's just maybe a podcaster or someone that's on the radio? No, I'm not okay with just being that. I don't want to just be labeled and put into a box. I want to be part of not just a great generation, but a Daniel generation. And some of the things that I talked about in, in some of my perspective on the threats that threaten this generation is not only being addicted and isolated, but that we're tolerant. We become overly tolerant with some things. And I'm going to be the first one to admit as a millennial, I'm tolerant of, of things that I know God does not approve of. And you guys accuse me of that, and I, I agree. Our generation is just known as being overly tolerant because we have a hard time saying no. We have a hard time hearing no. It's not one of the words that we want to hear, but it's one of the most healthy things we ever hear is no, because then we know there are limits. There are boundaries. We need limits. We need boundaries in our life. What limits, what boundaries do you have in your life? We're going to talk about this probably in one of the upcoming shows that we do here on HopeNet Radio, and we'd love to hear your thoughts tonight. Share them with us here on HopeNet Radio during the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB, and you can find these. You can find the show notes. You can download past episodes for free by subscribing to our podcast. Just visit HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Our live Twitter chat, like I mentioned, the tweet back is going 24-7 at HopeNet360.com or by using the hashtag HNRTB. NRTB. You can also follow HopeNet360 on social media using the HopeNet Radio handle. Just visit HopeNet360.com slash connect. From all of us here on HopeNet Radio, make each conversation count this week. You could save a life. We'll see you next time.